drugs, sex, and eight dead women. I believe she's with God, and that's the best place she can go. And she's free, and I think she's away from all the pain. More than 10 years after the first body is found, there are lots of theories, but still no answers. Was it the work of a serial killer? Was a law enforcement officer involved? Was it someone they knew? Who can kill eight girls in a small town and no evidence, you know what I'm saying? This is Southwest Louisiana Unsolved, the Jeff Davis 8. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jillian Corder. By now, you've heard the tragic stories of the eight women whose deaths remain unsolved. And you've heard from their families who've been begging for justice. Now the pressure is on to find the person or people responsible. It's June of 2008. Temperatures were hot in Louisiana, and so were the frustrations of family members who wanted answers. By this time, five women were dead. The people of Jeff Davis Parish were scared. If they would have found out what happened to the first girl, the second girl wouldn't have died, or the third, or the fourth, or the fifth. Brittany Dubois wonders why, after a difficult year for her family, she's never been told what happened to her sister. Then Jeff Davis Parish Sheriff Ricky Edwards was keeping the investigation close to the vest. There's a lot of things in investigative work that we have to keep to our chest so that we can do our job. Anytime we get information or leads, we act upon them until we have nothing further to go on. Edwards says the problem is after a while, the leads quit coming. But the governor of Louisiana at the time, Bobby Jindal, through his support behind the investigation, saying he's giving investigators every tool they need. It is important for our families to be safe. It shows you none of us is immune. Every part of the country, it's not just big city, even in rural communities, you're seeing more and more violent crime. State police are working very closely with the sheriff's office to make sure anything they need from the state, they'll get as they work to solve these cases. In December 2008, just a few months later, Edwards announced a permanent task force. The formation of this group today will allow eight to 10 people to work full time and exclusively to these cases. We will continue to search for leads, follow those leads and tips that we receive and act upon these leads aggressively, utilizing every resource that is available to us. Our collective hope is that our community will take note of their surroundings, report suspicious behavior and if they know for fact the reasons why these young ladies of our community have died, to come forward and give that information to this team. But the announcement didn't come without fireworks from family members of victims who showed up hoping for more news about their loved ones. I really appreciate if y'all would step up and take the responsibility of these murders. My sister was the fifth victim. She did not ask to go the way she asked to go. They had, when they found my sister, my sister was laying on side of the road. And when they picked my sister by the pieces of my sister's face was laying there. I don't know what's the problem. I don't know who is really doing this. And we is scared for our life. The whole community is scared. Those words from the sister of Laconia Muggy Brown clearly upset that her sister's case remains unsolved. The only clues Edwards would provide during this news conference was that the killer, or killers, 
must be familiar with the area, likely live in the parish, and have likely attempted to approach or harm other victims. Edwards described the suspect as likely being arrogant, charming, non-threatening at first, very strong, and easily angered, and possibly someone you see every day. You have all asked whether or not this is a serial killer. The facts that I currently have do not allow me to say with certainty that these cases are all linked. We know that the offender or offenders has made mistakes. We are holding that information close to our investigation. Frankie Richard and Hannah Connor weren't the only ones arrested in connection to the case throughout this investigation. In 2006, two men were also arrested and indicted in connection with Ernestine Patterson's death. But charges against Lawrence Nixon and Byron Chad Jones were dismissed due to lack of evidence and unreliable witnesses. In January of 2009, Edwards, along with District Attorney Mike Cassidy, announced a $35,000 reward for information leading to an arrest. He said the new task force was getting calls daily and taking the tips seriously. That the task force was even looking at new forensic technology and expected the FBI's behavioral analysis team to return with results soon. For Mike Dubois, brother of Whitney, soon wasn't fast enough. He begged other law enforcement agencies to help. This is larger than the Jeff Davis Parish or the Jennings Police Department can handle. And it's obvious that this is still going on today, and I believe we'll have still more murders yet to come because I think it's bigger than they are. Seven months later, on a hot August day in 2009, the body of the eighth victim, Nicole Guillory, was found. And while there were no leads, Mike Dubois, along with a group of other victims' family members, took matters into their own hands, hiring a private investigator named Kirk Menard. The thought, if people were too scared to talk to authorities, maybe they would talk to someone with the family's best interest at heart. One advantage that we have that law enforcement doesn't seem to have, whereas they have access to forensics and DNA, we have access to several sources on the streets that we can gather information and pass it along to uh, the task force and law enforcement. And Dubois wasn't just concerned with the deaths of the eight women from 2005 to 2009. He says there are more cold cases in desperate need of solving. So we keep hearing eight unsolved murders, eight unsolved murders, eight unsolved murders. Well, we got 13 unsolved murders, and that's the facts. An investigation by the Jennings Daily News does reveal 13 unsolved deaths in Jeff Davis Parish dating back to 1993, but no evidence to determine any of those were connected to the Jeff Davis 8. One month after the death of Nicole Guillory, victim 8, a standoff between Sheriff Ricky Edwards and private investigator Kirk Menard. During a news conference on October 29, 2009, Edwards was joined by representatives of six agencies, local, state, and federal, all part of the task force created to solve these cases. He had harsh words for anyone who has information and brings it to anyone other than law enforcement. Reporting case information to individuals who are not members of the law enforcement investigative team could delay 
or even prevent that information from being acted upon. This could result in irreparable harm to the investigation and possibly in further loss of life. But private investigator Kirk Menard believes there were people who simply did not want to talk to law enforcement. I urged them to contact the task force. I asked them if they have contacted the task force and often they will say that no, they prefer to give it to me. It was two months after Nicole's death. The reward for information leading to an arrest increased to $85,000. If there was ever distrust in law enforcement in Jeff Davis Parish, the next series of events did not help. Former Chief Criminal Investigator Warren Gary found himself under investigation after he bought a truck from jail inmate Connie Seiler, a friend of Frankie Richard and Kristen Gary Lopez. It was washed and then it was sold. Some believe that truck may have had a connection to the death of the women. Here's Mike Dubois. We were told that it was used to transport one of the bodies to one of the uh, drop-off spots. And now, Frankie Richard. It was a nice truck. Uh, that was the truck that uh, uh, Connie and Christian and uh, Tracy was in when they left my motel room right before Christian went missing. Frankie Richard admitted he'd seen at least one victim alive in that truck. And at the time Warren Gary bought it, he played a key role in the case, which led to much more speculation of a cover-up involving law enforcement. Here's an exchange between KPLC reporter Teresa Schmidt and Sheriff Edwards about that truck. There's tons of speculation out there. I have to believe in the state police. They did a thorough job with the forensics teams out of Calcasieu, totally independent, so that we would not be involved in that whatsoever. So if it had been washed, you think they still would have found forensic evidence, if there was forensic evidence to be found? Is that what you're saying? I would think that there's forensic evidence found even after vehicles are washed. Uh, it happens all the time. What does Warren Gary do now? Warren is in charge of evidence at this time. State police investigated and no criminal charges were filed against Gary. But he was fined $10,000 by the state ethics board. Sheriff Edwards maintained that despite how it may have looked, they were unaware of the connection. We didn't know about the truck. He didn't know about the truck being involved in anything until another person came forward and mentioned it. Um, the ethics board, uh, a complaint was filed with the ethics board and uh, Warren was uh, brought before the ethics board and he was fined, I believe the max, $10,000. Edwards says in addition to the fine, Warren Gary was taken off the case. But the issue remained for family members, including Dubois, who worry evidence may have literally been washed away. It's a slap on the hand when you're talking about messing with evidence in a murder case, and he's still an officer on the Sheriff's Department. Another case that didn't help the public perception of authorities at the time, when $3,700 disappeared from evidence related to a burglary investigation of Frankie Richard. In that case, Detective Paula Guillory was fired. And at one point during the investigation, there was a sewage backup in the evidence room. I don't know that we lost anything that was the only way we could have solved a case. That did not happen. But to Mike Dubois, 
Confidence in law enforcement was at an all-time low. You see people that we we know as suspects. You see people come go in and out of the jail numerous times and never held, get clear to evidence, evidence being tampered with by people in the sheriff's department that releases, you know, suspects. Uh, you see recanted stories that releases suspects. There's no public uh, confidence. When you go around town and you ask the people around here, they have no confidence in the task force or the sheriff's department. But the sheriff tried to reassure the community. There were no cover-ups or conflicts of interest. A lot of people want to say cover-up and all of this. I have never, nor will I ever, as I don't believe any sheriff in this state would cover up any wrongdoing in our offices. None of us are above the law, nor do we want to be. Two years after the last victim was found, after 20 years in office, Sheriff Ricky Edwards did not run for re-election and a new sheriff took over Jeff Davis Parish. Ivy Woods told us in 2012 that solving the Jeff Davis 8 case was a priority for him. So where are we now? There are a lot of questions that still remain, and our next focus will be to get fresh interviews with authorities in order to help answer those questions. We'll talk to current Sheriff Ivy Woods about where the investigation stands. We'll also talk to KPLC reporters who have been covering this story from the beginning. Have authorities made any progress? That's next time on Southwest Louisiana Unsolved, the Jeff Davis 8.